It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. And I'm so happy, as always, that you decided to uh, hang out with us for the next one hour. Actually, it's 54 minutes, but who's counting? And so uh, we got some guests. Oh, honey, we got some guests, as always, for you today. And I want to say hello to some friends of mine who are visiting and here in town, um, Priscilla and Charlie. Hi, hi guys. They said they would be listening in. So hopefully nobody's hung over because they had, yeah, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of got caught up in the mystique of Vegas last night. And we know what that's like, but if they're not hung over, they are listening to us. So we want to say hello to them. And of course, say hello to you as well. Well, listen, we got guests here and two of our guests have projects that are all about our state of Nevada here. Uh, one is a filmmaker and he has a new documentary type film called The Great Basin and it will be premiering on November 11th. No, what am I saying? November 14th and 15th. That's November 14th and 15th at the Regal Village Square Theater right here in Las Vegas. Plus, it's been in lots of top film festivals actually around the world. And so we'll ask him more about, um, you know, some of the upcoming festivals, where it's been, where it's going. And uh, the filmmaker is named Shivas Divnik. Divnik. He will be joining us. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But anyway, The Great Basin is the film. And we also have someone as a guest that you are very familiar with, especially for you that live here in Vegas. You know the show Pawn Stars. Of course you do. The story is right here in Vegas. Well, we have a pre-recorded interview that we did with the cast member Chumley. Yes, Chumley is going to be joining us and he's going to tell us about the new show that they just premiered uh, this past Wednesday. And so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Chumley is just everybody's one. Of, he's just everybody's favorite. So uh, he's going to be joining us to tell us more about the new show uh, and just what they're going to be traveling. I'll just tell you that much. Maybe you already saw it. You saw it. If you're a fan of the show, you saw it Wednesday night on the History Channel, of course. So he will be joining us. And uh, oh, yes, we also have uh, another guest who is the host of uh, a show going, the show going from broke on Crackle. Yes, we're talking about Dan Rosenzweig, and he's joining us. He will be joining us to tell us about the new season, actually season three. Everybody's got their season openers, you know, kind of like baseball. But uh, season three of Going From Broke is uh, already streaming right this minute on Crackle and it's totally free. So check it out. The show that helps people who are in major financial debt. They give them a plan and a map to map their way out of that debt. So anyway, Dan will be joining us to tell us about season three. And then we have some auditions. Yes, we do. So I'm going to shut up, take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have our auditions for this week's show. So stay tuned. You're listening to me, Janice Malone, on Film Festival Radio Show. We'll be back with our auditions. It's acting up. News about auditions and tryouts that could make you a star. Okay, before we get to our first guest, we have some auditions really fast here. Last week, we had an audition noticed about uh, Chopped. And this week, we have audition notice and audition notice about one of my other favorite shows. And that is Master Chef. Yes, Gordon Ramsay, Chef Gordon Ramsay 
put some respect on that name, young lady. Well, MasterChef, season 13, they are already casting and they are looking for home cooks who think they know what, you know, you know your spoons from your fork, you know what a meat cleaver is from a steak knife, you know your ABCs and one, two, threes in a kitchen. You know how the show goes. So if you would like the opportunity to audition and have Chef Gordon Ramsay scream at you, he does it in love. <laughs> this might be your opportunity because the show has some online auditions and this is a bit of a process, but uh, you know, all of these auditions, you're right there in your home. So you, you, you really can't complain that much. So if you'd like to try out for the show, you can now do it from the comforts of your own home. Yes, you can. And your own computer as well. Now, uh, the casting team has a, just a little bit requirements here in order to be considered for a tryout for season 13 of MasterChef. Contestants applying must be adults and must be at least 18 years of age or older by January 1st of 2023. They are looking for legal U.S. residents who are not professional cooks by trade. They are, again, they are seeking home cooks only or those who love to cook as a hobby and have no professional cooking experience. Those are, you, you got it, you got it. Okay. So if you're a home cook and you think you've got what it takes to let Gordon Ramsay uh, show you the ins and outs and, you know, maybe you will one day become a superstar chef like he is. I didn't, yeah, he just opened a new restaurant here in Vegas, I think about a week or two weeks ago. We got to get him on the show. Uh, I've had a couple of his previous winners from, I think it was 2018 and 2019. I had the winners on. So now we have to get the chef himself, Gordon Ramsay. So anyway, if you would like to try out for Iron Chef for season 13, Go to the website, masterchefcasting.com. That's it, masterchefcasting.com. And there you will find all of the information of what you need to do, how you need to do it, and when you need to get it all in, what the uh, deadline is. So, uh, hey, that's it. You can't beat that. You, you, you can do it from your own home, your own kitchen even. Okay, so get busy on that. So no, but to us here, oh yeah, here we go. There is another audition here. A major network, don't know which one, but it's a major one. And they are casting for people who are Hot Wheels super fans. Yes, Hot Wheels the cars, super fans. And if you are selected, this is your opportunity to compete to win a cash prize and a chance of a super lifetime here. Let me tell you the details. Okay, do you have a car from your past that you just cannot forget? You just can't forget it. It is your, you, you love your car more than you loved your, well, your wife. <laughs> no, just kidding. But listen, if you have an all-time favorite car and that car has a lot of great memories for you, uh, nostalgic memories, maybe your first kiss happened in this car, your first date, maybe you took your your prom person, prom date in this particular car. Or maybe this is a car that your, your dad or your grandfather or your uncle uh, passed down to you. Anyway, this is a car that has a lot of great life-changing moments and memories for you. So if you have possession of that type of a car, this new series that they are casting for, uh, again, it's on a major network, you need to be a Hot Wheels, as it says, a Hot Wheels super fan. So if you are selected, this is an opportunity for you to be on a car makeover series. And what you'll be doing you will be reimagining a car from your past and they will help you transform your vision of this car into a life-size Hot Wheels car, the car of your dreams, and you don't have to pay for it. So it is a competition show. So, I mean, they're looking for from family cars to first cars or maybe a favorite Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle or something, just whatever kind of car it was. And you want the opportunity to just reimagine it, to put it in the, the, 
history of your life here. This might be the show that you want to try out for. You can get all of the details at this website, hotwheels.castingcrane.com. Again, hotwheels.castingcrane.com. All the details are there. You might get selected to compete on this show and refurbish, reincarnate your favorite car from the past and just give it a new life for the 21st century and beyond. Okay, so you got those two auditions. So always know you can email us info at filmfestivalradio.com. If you missed some details, we got them all here for you. So we'll be right back with our first guest. Well, I think we can say that our show for this week is definitely paying tribute to our wonderful state of Nevada here because two of our guests have uh, projects that are Nevada-oriented or based. And that includes our very first guest here. I'm talking about the one and only hit show, Pawn Stars, which premiered uh, in 2009 on the History Channel and is still rocking and a rolling. I have not had a chance to go visit the actual store that, of course, is right here in Nevada, in Las Vegas, I should say. And but from what I've been told, that there are still lines of people, tourists, fans, that line up happily to go inside of the the uh, Pond Stars uh, home base there. So the show, of course, premiered in. 2009, uh, follows the Harrison family and their really often funny, wacky, lively world of the pawn business. Did not realize that the pawn business was so huge, but thanks to Pawn Stars, we see just how big it is. So they've done like, I believe over 600 episodes, worldwide fan base. And they're still doing their thing because this past Wednesday was the premiere of their latest show, their latest brand new show titled Pawn Stars Do America. And of course, they are traveling. The guys are traveling throughout America doing what they do, the meeting fans, um, dealing with appraisers and uh, knowledgeable experts and looking at all kinds of valuable items. Some of them are historic, historical, valuable items. You never know what's in your garage or in your basement that might be valuable to people who are experts like the guys at Pawn Stars. So uh, again, the show premiered this past Wednesday on the History Channel will be every Wednesday, 8 p.m. So I had the opportunity earlier this week, actually it was Thursday, I believe it was, was it Thursday? I think it was, that we talked to cast member Austin Chumley Russell. Chumley is such a fan favorite and he just, everybody just loves Chumley. So um, we pre-recorded the, no, we didn't. I was just told we did that interview uh, Wednesday morning. That's when we did it. So anyway, I uh, talked to Chumley about their new show, Pawn Stars Do America, and just what can fans expect? So some of you may have seen the premiere this past Wednesday. I didn't get a chance to see it because I was doing a lot of stuff on Wednesday. But anyway, it will be premiering, not premiering, it'll be airing every Wednesday on the History Channel, again, 8 p.m. Pacific and Eastern Time. So um, let's talk to Chumley, uh, Austin Chumley Russell, about the new show, Pawn Stars Do America, to see what can we have and expect from the guys. So let's hear it. You give us a hint on some of the crazy adventures that we we might see it in what city? Um, well, you can definitely um, you can definitely see us shooting some crazy stuff. We have a we shot a really really cool cannon out there on the road. Uh, looked at some very valuable Pokemon cards, uncut sheets. You know, we're talking big money. Um, I bought four four really cool baseball cards for fourteen thousand um, dollars. And then the antiques, you know, just endless and endless antiques, all kinds of antiques coming out. 14,000. Which baseball cards are these? So they were some um, old baseball cards that would have came out of like gum or tobacco packs. And um, it's like a Babe Ruth, a Ty Cobb, uh, and uh, 
and Ted Williams, and I forget the fourth player, but uh, they were all graded by Beckett and uh, super, super rare cards. So I was actually hoping to get them for my personal collection, but Rick said, nope, those are going in the shop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, can you give us a a preview about, in in addition to the road, uh, of course, but what about you guys uh, personally as far as your your continued friendship and working together? Are there any new storylines that we can expect among the cast? No, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. I've known these guys a long time. Uh, You know, I've known Rick since I was in probably eighth eighth or ninth grade. So uh, the camaraderie is just there with us, you know, and uh, we enjoy doing it. I worked at the pawn shop 21 years, and the show's been on 13. So, you know, even to work somewhere that long without being on TV, you really got to enjoy what you're doing. And we all enjoy uh, seeing what the next item is going to be. You really never know. Well, as you well know, you've been in the pawn shop business for most of your adult life. You know, it seems like, you know, pawn shops taking a bad hit, you know, eh, pawn shop, yeah, don't go there, or, you know, just kind of got a bad image. However, since the success and the hit show that you guys have created, have pawn shops gotten a better image, or what is that like? I do believe pawn shops have gotten a better image. Um, you know, the first few seasons, we would get people all in all the time saying, you know, I never realized that this is the kind of stuff pawn shops carry. I always thought of it as just having junk. And now that I've seen your show, I've been going out to all these different pawn stores finding these treasures. So I do think we were able to bring up a positive light into what pawn shops, you know, have and do. Now, our radio show this is... the oldest profession, you know, one of them. One of them. Okay, maybe second oldest. <laughs> Yeah, maybe second oldest. Maybe second. Well, we kind of know about that first one, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But our show is based in Las Vegas. Uh, Give us uh, an update about how your your Vegas-based pawn store shop, you know, where it all began, how is business, how is tourism there at the store? You know, business is good. There's still a line to come in and see the pawn shop. Uh... It's not as, you know, we've done some things to alleviate how long it takes. So now if you come down and see a line, it's only, you know, a couple minutes, five minute wait at most. So, and, you know, as far as the inventory goes, we just, stuff just keeps on walking through the door. It never seems to stop and it never seems to get old. Well, and I'm going to wrap this up by asking, I know it's obviously hundreds and hundreds of items, but for you personally, what is the, the most coolest or most unique item that you've run across in your pawn shop years of experience? Well, definitely, it was definitely um, on this trip, and it was uh, one of the uncut sheets of Pokemon cards, because I am a huge Pokemon fan, and that's something you just don't see very often, but still, my favorite item is the Bob Dylan album that Rick had me sign for him, and when Bob asked me if he could put anything else on it, I just said, you know what? make it to Chumley, and in my mind, I thought I'll, I'll just suffer the consequences of Rick later. That's pretty unique. That's pretty unique. So I can only imagine that people are always contacting you guys, wanting you to look at their items and inventory and all of that. So do you still, I mean, how do you guys accept new new items? Uh, it either walks in through the door, or people call us and submit items to our email, like, you know, they're out of state and they're like, Hey, you want to bring this in? And we'll tell them, yeah, we'll either tell them, you know, bring it in now, or maybe, uh, if you want to, if it's cool enough, we'll offer them to bring it in on a certain day to come in and film with it. Okay. So you're still open for uh, new items. That's good to hear. But in the meantime, we're going to be watching you guys on Pond Stars Do America on the History Channel and to see what you guys are going to get into as you hit the road. And I, Really appreciate talking to you this morning, Chumley. Thank you so much. Hey, it was my pleasure. You have a great day. Thanks Uh, for having me. Okay, we'll see you on History Channel. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. With your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.
Of course, that is the one and only, the powerful singing group, the OJs. And can't nobody sing about money better than the OJs, in my opinion. But anyway, uh, that song brings us to our uh, next guest here. How many of you out there are familiar, maybe you're fans of Crackle? You know, Crackle has all the free movies, free television shows. I've been a fan of Crackle forever. I just love them. Everything's free, totally free. And of course, you know, if you want to do, I think they've got a little subscription fee if you want to not have the little pop-up advertisement, but it doesn't really bother me. Well, we are about to meet uh, a host here, one of the hosts of uh, one of their hit new shows they have well it's actually not new new but it's got a new season we're talking about the show going from broke and it's an award-winning series uh because crackle now has uh a lot of original content that's very good so maybe if you have not tuned into crackle for a while maybe a year or two or so they they're on it they have not only the, the the free movies and the tv shows but they have their own original content and this particular show going from broke is one of them and it has uh, started season three streaming right now as we speak the show is uh executive produced by actor ashton kutcher or kutcher depends on how you pronounce it yeah that guy ashton and it is hosted by Dan Rosenzweig, who is our guest. And Dan is the host of the show, as I said, and he is the former COO of Yahoo. And he's also uh, the CEO of the student learning platform, Chegg. And uh, this show, if you have not seen it, uh, I think you'll learn a lot from it. I mean, a whole lot from it. It helps people who are in a lot of debt. I mean, heavy duty, crippling debt. It helps them to achieve financial freedom from all of this debt. No, they don't write a check and pay it off. That would be nice and all of that. But what they do is they have financial experts such as Dan and others to come on uh, with different people of all walks of life. And they help them. They create plans, strategies as to how they can get themselves from underneath all of this heavy duty debt. I mean, my God, debt is just like a disease now out here in this country, especially. So let's bring... Dad on Dan Rosenzweig as again he is the host of the show and it is a streaming right this minute as we speak season three has already started on crackle so let's bring Dan on so we can get the rest of the story about season three of this upcoming season going from broke hey and you have Dan on the line well good morning Dan Hello. hi there well was, How are you? I'm very good. I've been anxious to talk to you. I've seen your show. I uh, want to tell everybody that you, of course, are the host of the award-winning series Going From Broke, which streams totally free on the Crackle Network. I've been a fan of Crackle for many, many years. So, all right, Dan, season three of Going From Broke is underway. Uh, give us some highlights of what can we expect for season three. Well, I think people in Las Vegas will understand uh, what it's like to be in debt. Yes. Um, the highlights of the show are this. We try to teach people how to become the CEO of their own life. We make it interesting, entertaining. It's, you can pull on some heartstrings, but it's educational. There are tips and tricks where you watch real people go through real situations with their money from beginning, middle to end, and you see if they do the work that we suggest, whether or not it works, and how well it works, and you see the ones that do it, you see the ones that don't do it. But the goal of the show is to help people understand we have a debt crisis in this country. One, 44 million Americans have $1.7 trillion in student debt alone. That adds to credit card debt, car debt, mortgage debt. Every one of us has to admit that we don't really understand money, and if you don't understand it, money will work against you. Credit card companies, mortgage companies, they're not your friends. Colleges, not your friends. They want to take your money. They want to charge you high interest. So we teach you how money works, how compound interest can work for you or against you. Why it's a terrible idea 
to have so many credit cards that you don't even understand that the second and third credit card you have is at an interest rate way higher than the first one you have. So you're spending more money every time you spend because your interest rate is higher. We teach you how money works in that if you only pay off the minimum, you are never going to get out of debt. That if you ignore your debt, it will balloon up and it will devastate you. And so we teach you tips and tricks about how to budget, how to make better choices, the impact of those choices. We show you with graphs and charts, but also it's funny, it's sad, it's real people dealing with real problems, and you can see yourself in it. And that's what season three is about. And I want to tell listeners uh, who don't know the, about your background, which is so impressive and extensive in finances, you are the CEO of the student learning platform, Chegg, and the former COO of Yahoo. Uh, how many credit cards do you suggest or recommend that a person should have? Well, in some cases on the show, we have them cut up all of them and we have them live their life with a debit card or cash because they're they're addicted to spending on their credit card. But look, most people need a credit card to get a credit score. Yes. But what we suggest is you get a card with a very low limit so that you're not tempted to spend more than you have. So some cases we recommend zero. Other cases we recommend one. And if it's a family, likely two. Um, but that's it. If you need more than one credit card or more than two credit cards, it's because you can't get a higher um, amount on your credit card. They're telling you you shouldn't spend more money. Listen to them. Because, you know, we had one couple had 22 credit cards. I mean, it was astonishing. Goodness. And, and they didn't even know it. Like, the couple didn't even know how many they had collectively. They were just trying to stay ahead of the bill collector. And the bill collector will always catch you. So first step, admit you got a situation. Second step, build a budget. How much do I bring in an income? How much do I pay in taxes? And then after that, this is the amount of money I can spend every month. And if you're spending more than you're bringing in, you're going broke. We want to teach you how to become financially sound, financially secure, financially independent. It's not about getting rich. It's about controlling your own destiny and being able to make better choices by making smarter choices with your money. I know, uh, I saw in my notes that one of the people, the couples that you profile is a, a young couple and they have just too much, more than enough student loans, but they want to buy a home. Uh, to further speak of student loans, the recent um, help that President Biden has given to people with student loans, I should say, how is that? Is it really making a dent, an impact to help uh, students with these loans or what exactly is it doing? Well, it's a great question, and uh, depending on where you stand on the issue, last night a Texas judge overturned it, in which case they're saying that the country cannot give student debt relief. The goal was to acknowledge that there's 44 million Americans, as I said earlier, with $1.7 trillion worth of debt. 40% of them are not or will never pay off that debt. So we're creating an entire generation of people who are a debtor class. So the goal was to be able to say to those people, let's wipe away part or all of your debt so that you can start to spend in the economy. You can start to buy a home. You can start to rent a home. And if you can't get a credit score um, because of your college debt, you can't even rent an apartment because if you do, you have to pay you know, three months worth of rent in advance, which you don't have. So the goal of that was to eliminate people who are in a permanent debtor class to give them a chance to, to revisit and come back into the economy and help them out. You can debate whether it's fair or not fair. No government policy is fair, but this one helped, you know, 40 million people. Um, but it didn't fix the debt problem because the next generation of college kids are taking out the same bad debt. So it was an incomplete proposal at best. Um, but what everybody needs to learn is you need to know what your college debt is. And if you took it out from the government, you can never declare bankruptcy on it. So you must pay it. And we teach you on the show how to pay it. We teach you on the show how to find out what your debt really is. We also teach you that if you went into service like a teacher or work for the government or work for the state, that after five years or 10 years, your debt may actually be forgiven. There are things that people don't know that the show teaches you, but we do it in an entertaining, sad, funny way. And again, the show is the award-winning series, Going From Broke 
on Crackle. I Last question here. You help so many people. The success stories speak for themselves. How can people get to your show if they want your help? How do they, how do you select the people? Well, that's the actual showrunners that do that. But I will tell you, it's a great question because this year, um, our creator of the show and the executive producer, Ashton Kutcher, added a feature to the show, which is you can actually text in your financial question and our financial experts will help to answer it. So you can actually, if you, if you have a problem right now, we can help you right now. Um, so uh, I think that's the best way to approach it because that's the way we can have the greatest scale and the greatest reach. But look, 26 million views of season one and two already. So if you're struggling with money, you're not alone. Watch the show. We hope we can help you. That is an excellent feature. Uh, like you said, so many people need help. So again, going from broke on Crackle streaming right now, I hope you have 33 more seasons because there's so many people out here who need help. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway. Well, I'm 61 years old, so I don't know if I could do 33 more seasons. But oh. the more the, the more we can help, the happier we all are. Okay, well, let's just go for 31 seasons. How about that one? I love you for that. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, thank you, Dan. And we'll see you on Going From Broke. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. We have our next guest on board here on Film Festival Radio Show, and he's a very talented film director and producer. His name is Chevis DeVink, and he has a new film that will be premiering here in Las Vegas on November 14th, and it just so happens it's about our great state of Nevada. Chevis, thank you for joining us, and tell us about your new film, The Great Basin. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, my film, The Great Basin, is, how I put it, is a impressionistic um, survey of this region of Nevada, which is obviously a large swath of the state. And the film ultimately explores the relationship between the people who live there and the landscape. And so, where did you start? Of course, this is a large state. Did you start in the north? Did you start in Vegas, where we are? Or just where did you start here exploring? Uh, up in White Pine County, in a, a very rural part of the state. I discovered this region of the state um, in the same way I think a lot of people discover that part of the country and the state, which is um, on a road trip. I was road tripping from Northern California to Salt Lake City. And I, once I saw the landscape, it, it spoke to me. I had a very sentimental connection to it. And so uh, you, you started in that area. And so did you just explore the entire, most of, I should say, most of the state all the way down to the southern region? Or what other regions of the state did you go to? The, the, the film takes place in, almost entirely in White Pine County. Um, it also part of the film is in Utah as well, a very small fragment, which is also part of the Great Basin. But it, yes, it focuses primarily on the region of the Great Basin, um, but kind of the heart of it, which is uh, White Pine County. And so how many, about how many people live in these little small towns in these regions? That, that can fluctuate from a few thousand to a few hundred to a few dozen. Um, so that would depend on where you precisely were. Uh, the majority of the film um, is along the loneliest road in America, US 50. Um, again, I discovered this region via a road trip. And it all started when a very close family friend of mine recommended taking the loneliest road in America, which I thought was incredibly poetic. 
Um, and what is very interesting about this road is, yes, you could go to small towns with maybe a few dozen people and larger ones like Ely, which is um, the, the main town in White Pine County, where it's a, a number of thousands. Now, I'm kind of fairly new uh, to Las Vegas. I've been here about three years now. And it seems like I got here immediately almost when the pandemic hit and shut everything down. So I have yet, I'm just kind of learning where everything is uh, mm-hmm. in the state. And so this film is a big help for people like me, you know, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so this, the loneliness road in America, I mean, we've all heard stories and songs and what have you about it. So just how lonely is it? I mean, the nearest gas stations, how far apart are there? Are, are there any gas stations? There are. It's very funny that you bring this up because this was a huge uh, catalyst for making the film. Um, while we were driving on this lonely road, of course, you do eventually run out of fuel and you must fill it up. And the vast majority of these gas stations are in the larger towns. And we were driving through Ely and we stopped at this gas station. Um, and I began having this conversation with a gas station attendant in there. This, uh, this woman was telling me a very personal trauma that she was experiencing. And if it wasn't because of my young child in the car, my girlfriend, and I had to run back to get them, I could have spoken to this woman for hours. So I immediately got this impression that these people who lived on this lonely road were very interested in speaking, and I was very interested in listening. That is interesting. You're right, because it seems like the people who maybe work on the loneliest road in America are maybe lonely, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Well, there's a lot of, that's what's very interesting about it. You know, the vast majority of the vehicles that you see on this road are trucks and they're, you know, shipping materials from uh, Utah into California with maybe a few stops, stops along the lonely road. Um, but you're, you're right. It's, there's this very transient feeling, a lot of people coming and going. But of course, in these communities are people who stay and who have been there for decades, if not the majority of their lives. Um, so that's what I was interested in, you know, these, this location that I think from an outside perspective seems very transient, but of course there are people who live there and there are people who are very devoted, uh, to these locations. And, um, and I was interested in hearing their stories. And in hearing their stories, uh, was there a particular running theme as to why a lot of people have remained there and not maybe gone to the big city like Vegas or Reno or somewhere like that? I think it's always it's connected to, uh, you know, kind of a, a universal thing, which is uh, community. And I think those of us who are very lucky to have, built strong communities, which, you know, oftentimes starts with our family and then extends outside of there. Um, we, 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 we tend to devote ourselves more to those specific locations. Um, and you know, the, the, the citizens of these towns and these locations are, are entirely devoted to, to their homes. Um, it's, uh, I think it's less connected to sort of a, a, a logical reason and much more connected to a emotional reason, um, a strong attachment to place, to community. Well, you know, we, we hear about these uh, rural towns, especially in the Western region of America, and, you know, these little tiny towns and, and you know, people will say, oh, the, the people there, they're just lonely they're just kind of backwards they just you know you know some people have this interpretation about mm. people in tiny small towns uh do you did you find that that people maybe have a misinterpreted view about people in the small western region like this absolutely and and i you know that was part of the fun of the project you know i'm, I'm somebody who in my early childhood did live in a rural part of california but i've lived the last 20 years of my life in New York City. So uh, my experience spending time in White Pine County uh, was, you know, I've discovered that a lot of maybe the prejudices I might have towards rural communities, even though I was informed on them to some degree, um, were maybe just as silly and ridiculous as uh, maybe the assumptions and stereotypes they had 
on me for living in a large city. <laughs> so I, I, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, I think it's, it's oftentimes very difficult for us to, um, uh, imagine other people's lives and, and, and have empathy for the experiences that are, uh, drastically different in, in terms of how they're connected to location and geography. Um, and to me that that's, that's, uh, the huge excitement is, is, um, this this obvious notion that by um, by confronting this material that I'm going to be challenged because it is uh, their worldviews that are different than mine, um, but there's also a lot of uh, commonalities and respect that we we can share among amongst each other. Well, now uh, about how long did it take you to do all of the filming and the research? Uh, I mean, how long were you in the state? Uh, it, 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 well, it takes a while to get get a small documentary off the ground. So I initially discovered this region in 2016, in sort of the fall time of 2016, and then we, we um, and we began production in early 2020. We filmed from mid January 2020 to mid February of 2020, which, if uh, we remember, the early part of 2020. So kind of interesting part of uh of world history um one of the important protagonists in the film his wife is chinese and during that period she was stuck in china because that was the very beginning of the lockdowns happening in china so um yeah obviously none of that was planned <laughs> these were all just um yeah that was a, that was a strange coincidence Oh, yeah, very unfortunate. I hope she got back okay and is safe. She, she did, yes. Okay, yeah, luckily, good. Yeah. Well, now, I want to tell everybody again, we are talking to uh, the producer and the director of this new film, The Great Basin, which is all about uh, rural Nevada, our great state here. And it's going to be playing November 14th here in Las Vegas at the Regal Village Square. So... I want to see it with everybody else. I, there is no, for me at least. There's nothing like seeing a movie in a theater. I don't care if it's just me there. I just like the atmosphere. That's <laughs> just me. Uh, I'm with you on that. Oh, that is just me. And uh, the website you you guys have your own website. It's thegreatbasinfilm.com. Uh, okay. Now, have any of have you had a screen? I, I understand that you have some screenings uh, at some film festivals coming up uh, this month if they haven't already taken place. So, tell me about those upcoming screenings at the film festivals. Yeah. So we we premi we premiered the film in the states uh, just uh, last month. That was at the Santa Fe International Film Festival, and then we have screens on the twelfth and the thirteenth, which is this weekend at the Denver Film Festival. And then from there, on the 14th, 15th in Los Angeles at the Regal Cinemas, we're playing in Los Angeles for a week, uh, but I will be there for Q&As the 16th and 17th, um, 18th in Fresno, 19th in Sacramento, 20th in Nevada City, and then the 27th, 28th in Seattle and Portland, all at Regal Cinemas, um, at most of those locations. Um, but... Uh, the audience is more than welcome to go to the website and where uh, you can purchase tickets from the website. Now, I understand that you also had some screenings over uh, internationally. Uh, what Abroad, yes. yeah. Which which countries? So, yeah, that's been the very that's been the interesting thing for me as the filmmaker, the, the trajectory of the film. You know, this is uh, a film as we're speaking about that takes place in rural Nevada. Uh, it's in a very uh, it's a very American film. I see it in many ways as a contemporary Western. Um, but it premiered in Germany last uh, October 2021, and it basically screened around Europe at many festivals for about 12 months before we had our premiere in the United States at Santa Fe just uh, the other uh, last month. So it's been a very... Uh, strange but exciting journey um screening this film so i'm very happy and i feel privileged to you know return home with this movie and 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 show it to american audiences and 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 you know hopefully if they're not already familiar with this landscape introduce this beautiful landscape and these complex characters to an american audience what uh, was the reaction from uh, Europeans? Because this is solely, strictly, directly uh, an American film, and being you know in the state, in an American state. What was their reaction? 
the, the reaction was very positive. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the exciting thing about the documentary community is that uh, you have a, uh, many people who are curious and interested in subject matters that aren't directly outside their window. Um, you know, the, the, wor the world is rather large. It oftentimes feels small, but um, there's a lot out there to learn. Um, there's beautiful landscapes all, all across this planet. And um, it's one of the beautiful things about participating in an international film festival is the, the ability to see voices and, uh, and, and be introduced to worldviews that are different from your own and, um, and being a part of participating in that community is, is a, a great joy. Uh, have the people that you've interviewed for the film, uh, have any of them or that town had a screening yet or, or what? We, we haven't screened in Ely yet, unfortunately. We, we certainly plan to in the future. There's a beautiful theater in Ely, which uh, which is featured a number of, time, of times in the film called the Central Theater. It's a very historic, beautiful old theater. In fact, me and my crew, while we were there, we... Um, we, we saw an American comedy there, which was uh, quite hilarious. I forget the name of it with Selma Hayek and uh, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Um, but um, yeah, so we hope to we hope to screen it, have a public screening there in the near future. But uh, the, the protagonists of the film have have seen the film, and um, they it's, it's that that has been quite. Um, moving their the responses have been very positive um which makes makes me happy oh absolutely well i got two last questions here so um even though these are small towns are the populations are they are they dwindling are they getting smaller or are people wanting to get away from the big cities coming into some of these towns or what yeah there i mean it's i, I think it's 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 rather similar to to um uh to what's happening in a lot of states and our you know small communities of, of, across the 50 states of the united states um where generally the populations have been going down but in ely they kind of they they, they went up because you know there's a huge mining industry which people have moved to uh work at the mine there's also the state prison, which is a huge employer in the community, and I think it's also brought a, you know a significant number of people in to work there. Um, but over over COVID, the the population has gone down, um, so that has fluctuated. There hasn't there hasn't been a um, sort of an absolute there. It's 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 in terms of Ely been going up and down, but. Yeah, you know, generally, yes, people, I think, like, all over the world are, are leaving rural communities for um, for more opportunities in cities. That's certainly uh, a common theme. Well, it, I, you know, definitely understand, but it's kind of sad in a way, but uh, people got to survive. I understand totally. I get it. Mm. I totally get it. So what is next for you? What is your next uh, film project? Yeah, um, I'm in the process of developing a film that we've pitched at uh, now two festivals, one in the Czech Republic and at Hot Docs in Toronto. Um, I have attached a uh, Japanese production. It's, it's going to be a co-production between the United States, France, and Japan, and it's going to be looking at a U.S. territory called Guam in the South Pacific. Oh, yes. um, so we're hoping to begin production on that hopefully next year. Um, so, yeah, fingers oh. crossed on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you really do get get in there, roll up your sleeves, and get some very fascinating topics uh, for mm, your films. Thank you. Yeah, I have relatives who were in the military once who were uh, two actually at Guam, and they had some really cool stories to tell about living there in the military. So, yes, it's a it's a fascinating place, and also a place that um, a lot of even though although it's a, an American territory, many many Americans don't know about it, and um, yeah, another opportunity to sort of shed light on, on a place that um, uh, doesn't get a lot of light. 
Yes, for sure, for sure. Well, Shabas, thank you so much for this film. Um, I am just a person who is... I'm fascinated by small town living. I don't know if I could personally do it, but you know, because I drive, I used to love drive all over the country a lot. And when you stop to get gas or potato chips or whatever, I, it always makes me wonder, what is it like to live here? It's only five people, you know, whatever it is. So that is a part. So I love these types of documentaries and I cannot wait to see it. I've seen the trailer several times, but I can't wait to see it again here in Vegas on November 14th. And uh, we just... And 15th. And 15th. Okay, November 14th and 15th. Well, why didn't they give me that extra day there? But anyway, it's at the Regal Village Square here in Vegas. And why not just go see it both? days. It's pre-Thanksgiving almost, and this is a good way to, but especially, again, for somebody like me who's still learning about the state, and I think this is a wonderful way uh, for me to learn more about the fine state of Nevada. So thank you again for your film. Thank you for having me. Okay, and I hope to see you uh, next project about Guam. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, thank you, and happy holidays to you. You too. Okay. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we are so out of time. I want to first of all thank you to all of our guests, as always, for joining us here on Film Festival Radio Show. Make sure that you go and check out uh, the film The Great Basin. Again, it's uh, November 14th and 15th at the, let me get the theater right, the Regal Village Square there. And uh, this again, this documentary is all about the rural, beautiful areas of our state of Nevada. And uh, I think it'll be, I'm going to go see it on Tuesday myself. So uh, we'll see, I'll see you at the movies there. So again, thank you to everyone who's listening to the show. And we will see you guys on the next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Have a great rest of the weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Mm-hmm.